Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hey, Courier Nation, welcome back for another week. It is great to be back again this week. It's wonderful to have you back as well. Looking forward to another week here on the podcast. As I record this this week, it's November 3rd, and I'm excited about this for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, my wife and I just closed on some property out in the mountains. It's just some land, so nothing we're going to be able to do with that just yet, but it's it's still land. It's kind of cool, you know? And two, it's election day. I'm not excited about election day. I'm excited that all of these commercials, all of this crap leading up to election day are done with. Tomorrow, it's over with. May not be over for a little while. Who knows how long it's going to take with this this election and whatever the fallout is from the election. And I'm not even going to try and touch all of that. You know, of course, one of the big ones that I'm watching, I'm probably watching this more than the presidential election, is Prop 22 out in California. And I got to I got to be honest with you. I could go either way with that one, you know? You know, if you've listened to me much, you know that I'm not a fan of AB5. You know that I'm not a fan of taking away people's ability to be independent contractors. And especially because I think AB5, it it was not written for the benefit of independent contractors. Honestly, I don't think we matter that all that much. This is about power. This is about a power grab. And that's just, that's just the way I see it. But I'm glad I'm not in California, you know? So there's going to be a reason that I'll be happy if AB5 passes because it allows people to continue acting as an independent contractor. But here's the other side. If AB5 fails, I'm not going to shed a tear for any of these gig companies. Uh, I look at the things that they do, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff they do here today. When we get into deactivations and things like this, they use that as a way to bully drivers. Uh, it's just That's just the way it is. That's, that's just the way I see it. And I'm not going to shed a tear for any of these companies if they're forced to either go out of business or lose money because of the business model that they're using. So... I don't know. I'm I'm not going to get heartbroken on either side of this. I I can strongly see great arguments for both sides of the issue. I'm just going to be glad it's over with, you know, and then we can figure out what to do from there. So, with all that said, let's get into today's topic. I want to dive into this here. How do you avoid contract deactivation from DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Postmates? I want to talk about seven steps that you can take and The thing is, folks, if you rely much at all on the income for your delivery business, you want to stay on top of how to avoid deactivation from your contracts with all of these delivery gig apps. How do you avoid deactivation, though? Because there's a lot of unfair deactivation going on. I think, I don't know what's going on with it, honestly, but, you know, I'm going to dive into depth on a few things that I think you can do, some steps that you can take, but the most important thing you can do is to remember you're running a business. Treat your relationship with these gig companies as though they're your customers 
And how does a business keep its customers? If you think in those terms, you're going to so greatly reduce your risk of deactivation. The bottom line here, my friends, is DoorDash owes you nothing. Grubhub has no obligation to keep you as a contractor. The same is true with Uber Eats, Postmates, Instacart, any of these gig companies. They can walk away at any time. And the thing is, lately, they seem to be doing a lot of walking away. You know, when I look at the uh, different forums and Facebook groups and all of that, a lot of people have been deactivated. And I've had a couple of articles about that. But I don't know if it's that there's such a need that things are going so bad on the customer service side that they've got to crack down on the bad couriers out there. And there's a lot of bad couriers out there. Unfortunately, a lot of innocent folks get caught in the mix because they all do this by algorithm. They all do this by, you know, instead of actually going out and finding the bad apples, what they do is they program their computer to go look for the bad apples and they just cut everybody that looks like they might be one of these bad apples. And if you know how well these apps work, well, you know how much I trust the way they program these computers, right? But, you know, the question is how much of it is because they've got to kind of Get rid of some of these folks that are causing problems. And there's there's a need for that. There's a place for that. There honestly is. And how much of it is because they hired so many people when the pandemic was in its peak and when there was all this extra stimulus money and everything like that. And now that a lot of that money is dried up and things are slowing down, they've got to cut back. And so they don't care how they do it. They'll just, you know, find some kind of excuse to cut people loose. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. There's a lot of people being deactivated. So how do you avoid being one of those people deactivated from these things, especially if you rely very heavily on this income that you make with your delivery business? Let's talk about this. Why do couriers get deactivated from these companies? There's a lot of causes. There's a lot of reasons. You know, they range from, you know, you're violating the contract to maybe you're having altercations with customers or there's unexplained violations that a lot of these companies, they just kind of want to nebulously call it fraudulent activity. There's a good article that I put a link in, in the associate. If you go to entrecourier.com slash 96, that'll take you to the page for episode 96, which kind of has all the same stuff in a written out format. And over there, I linked to an article by Gridwise, which is an app that's got some interesting things for drivers. And they had a uh, blog article that went into a little more depth on this topic about why people are. I think it's one of the best art articles that I've seen out there. A couple of things I don't totally agree with, but for the most part, it's a good article. So I'll put a link in the show notes, or you can go over to entrecourier.com slash 95, and you can find the link over there. Now, here's the thing. I'm critical of DoorDash on a lot of things. I'm critical on all these companies on a lot of things. But there's one thing that I will give DoorDash credit for, and that they tend to be a little more transparent about how they do their deactivations than anybody else. You know, they've got very specific information on certain things that can get you deactivated. Nobody else is doing it like that that I'm seeing of. I mean, they've got very specific numbers, a 4.2 customer rating or lower on a five-point scale, and or uh, lower than 80% completion rate. And in my opinion, both of those metrics, they, they leave you plenty of room for error. If you're doing things the way you ought to be doing them, I don't think you're going to run into problem on either one of these. Lately, they've also been doing a lot of stuff about what they call contract violations. And those are usually things related to either 
extremely late deliveries or food that wasn't delivered at all. And, you know, you mark the delivery complete. You didn't deliver the food and they call that a contract violation. Well, that makes sense. It's, it's a contract violation. If you're extremely late, if you're later than you should have been based on whatever your situation is, you're not doing what you agreed to do. So I don't have an issue with those things. And again, I'm going to give DoorDash credit because I have seen them do an awful lot more of saying, Here's the specific violation. This is when it happened. So when you've got an accusation of something, you can answer to it. You know, you can say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up there. Or you could say, no, this is not what happened. This is what I did. And I've got documentation to back it up. So I'm going to give DoorDash a lot more credit about this. I am not a fan of the way a couple of these other companies are doing things, which is, you know, what I would call the uh, fraudulent activity cop out. I think lately Uber Eats and Grubhub in particular are the worst at this. They, they just seem to love to throw out that term fraud or fraudulent activity as the reason for their termination rather than describing exactly what that activity was, what exactly the fraud was. They just kind of throw out this term and say, okay, that's enough. We're done. We're investigating you for fraud. We're investigating for you for this, but they don't tell you what it is they actually did. Now, two weeks ago, uh, I want to play a little clip from two weeks ago on episode 94, where Brian Greenling, he's with Legal Rideshare. We were talking and we got around to this issue here. So let me play this clip for you. And I think that's one thing that would be maybe a little more helpful on the part of the companies is if they were more forthcoming to begin with, with what what incident was it? And I think that's that's the thing as I read in, you know, a lot of forums and different things like that is people can't get an answer as to where did it happen? What exactly was it? And, uh, you know, it would help, I think, if they knew. I kind of wonder if part of the reason that they're not as forthcoming, and this is just the conspiracy theory tin hat wearing guy in me here, is <laughs> that if they start giving a lot of specifics that they're kind of... Uh, putting themselves at risk of being more controlling and part of that whole misclassification thing. Yeah. I think that that's certainly part of it. Um, I, I also think that it's quicker to just write the word fraud. And yeah. so often there's a lack of a human element, uh, humanity to how the companies treat their workers that I, I think they don't in a lot of regards care whether they're providing closure to a driver, but rather they're just kicking them out the door. And yeah. that's why so many drivers get frustrated. Um, and that's why this, the letters that we're writing with cover uh, are helpful. One, they might get the, the driver's account back on and two, they might just get the explanation that they need. Really appreciate Brian coming on a couple of weeks ago here. And, you know, you can, you can probably tell that's one of the things I get frustrated with is when these companies play these games like this and they don't tell you exactly what it is. And this is part of the reason that I think they're, that they're facing things like AB5 and ProAct because they are bad actors in a lot of different areas. All right. Well, enough of that. Let's talk about some of the different causes, the common causes for deactivation. I'm just going to run through a list. Um, this is by no means an exhaustive list. I'm sure there are some other things that I'm missing here. These are maybe some of the most common ones, and I kind of group them up into three different categories or three different areas. One has to do with delivery issues and contract violations. This is basically, it boils down to, you didn't do what you agreed to do. Okay. 
accepting offers and then canceling out of them too often. That's used by a few different ones. And one of the reasons that they do this is if it happens too frequently, what happens if you accept an offer and then you're going to be going over there and then you cancel out? Well, now they've got to find somebody else and it makes the order run really late. Uh, I think there are places where you need to be able to cancel out of things, but when you do it too often, it really does create some problems. And so I kind of understand that one, you know, uh, extremely late deliveries that are your fault, eating or tampering with the food, you're not delivering the food to the customer, you're stealing the food. Seems like a no brainer, right? You'd, you'd get deactivated for that kind of thing. Not keeping the food in the best condition that you can keep it in during the delivery. You get the food to the customer and it's either it's all beat up or it's cold or whatever, and you didn't protect it as well as you should have protected it. Sometimes that can be a reason. And, or just gener in general, a poor customer service record. You know, we talked about that 4.2 that DoorDash uses. Uh, 4.2 is really low. It's you got to be doing pretty bad to be down that low. And you got a lot of wiggle room with that one. Here's another area that uh, um, I just talked about that a moment ago, fraudulent activity. You know, in the conversation with Bryant, I said, I do believe that a lot of them, they use that fraudulent activity as a cop out. It's a mask. It's an excuse. In a lot of cases, I think it's an excuse to de deactivate people for things they're not really allowed to deactivate you for. They're not allowed to control the way you do your work. They can expect the results, but they can't control how you do the work. And I do think that this whole use of fraudulent activity is often, it's a code word, it's a mask word to make it look like it's your fault, but ultimately they don't tell you what it is. And uh, that said, I think there are a number of things that are fraudulent that can lead to deactivation. If you're attempting to use payment cards for your own purpose, you know, having multiple driver accounts, if you're uh, gaming the referral system, in other words, you know, you're making a fake referral, you know, you're referring yourself and you're collecting the money for it. Uh, that kind of ties in sometimes with that multiple driver accounts. If you're letting somebody else use your account, uh, you're not allowed to do that. If you're masking or you're faking your location on the GPS, uh, there, there are tools that you can use with your phone that'll make the GPS look like you're somewhere that you're not. Different things like that. There are also behavior and safety issues. You know, if you fail to pass a background check. Now, one of the interesting things is that a lot of drivers have been uh, deactivated lately that they've been delivering for quite a while. They've been through some background checks before. And there's something that happened several years ago that would have been there whenever they had the checks before, but now it was enough for them to be deactivated. That one's kind of sketchy, but you know, the other side of things is, you know, if you got a record of violence or, um, or unsafe driving or a lot of different things like that, that's enough reason for them to say, yeah, we're not really wanting to work with you. Unsafe behavior when you're delivering or while you're driving, reckless driving, unsafe driving, um, all sorts of things like that. Criminal activity while you are on a delivery. Unprofessional or threatening behavior with the restaurant staff. Unprofessional or threatening behavior with the customers. And sometimes I think even that kind of behavior with some of the staff from the gig companies themselves. Now, are these legitimate causes for deactivation from DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Postmates, any of these others? I would say in normal situations, 
I don't have much of an argument with most of these. Like I said, now emphasis is on normal situations. The bottom line is you made an agreement. You made an agreement to do work. And most of this stuff kind of falls under this. A lot of this stuff falls under very much common sense types of things. Now, there are some things that fall under these things that that they may deactivate people for, but it's not the fault of the people. Now, some of these areas where that could happen, they do provide some wiggle room. Like I said, I think there's times where you need to be able to cancel out of an order. If you agreed to take an order, then you made an agreement. But there are times you get there and, okay, you made the agreement based on normal circumstances. You get to the restaurant and guess what? They haven't started the food. It's going to be a half hour. It's going to be 45 minutes. You know what? If you cancel out on that order, you're not going to make that order late because it's still going to take time by the time somebody else gets there. So there's things like that. But, you know, the thing is that they do give you, it's not like one time and you're done. So generally, they give you some room. If your customer service is really bad, it's got to be really bad to get down low enough for DoorDash to cut you off. Sometimes there's stuff where they're not making a whole lot of room. You know, for example, if Grubhub dispatches you to a restaurant, the moment they receive the order, you get there, you know it's going to happen, but you get there anyway, and you got a half hour wait at the restaurant. But the problem is, is if you decide that, okay, I've got a lot of time. I need to take this other delivery. I'll get back before the food's ready anyway. But they penalize you. They say you're intentionally delaying the order. And so either they're going to take the order away from you, or if it happens too often, they could deactivate you because you're committing fraudulent activity by intentionally delaying the order. Even though you're not making the order late, you know? And when that kind of thing happens, there's a problem. When Postmates will stack a second or third, sometimes a fourth order onto your queue when you're at the restaurant and then say, oh, by the way, you got to go deliver these two or three other orders at the same time. And they don't even give you the chance or the opportunity to accept or reject those additional orders. And so you decide, no, I did not agree to these. So I got to cancel and you end up having to cancel all of them. And then they deactivate you for canceling too many orders. That kind of thing, there's a problem. And it crosses the line into controlling the work. And so there are some problems sometimes with the way they do some of these things. Well, let's ask this question since we're talking about causes for deactivation. Is acceptance rate a legitimate cause to be deactivated? And I'm going to say no, absolutely not. Now, I found it interesting, and you know, I mentioned the Gridwise article. I said there are a couple of things I don't totally agree with them. One of the things that they threw out there was they kind of took a look at some of the different uh, platforms, and when they said Grubhub, you know, one of the things that can get you deactivated with Grubhub is not accepting enough orders. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is I've had a very low acceptance rate with Grubhub. That has not been an issue, you know, and but the other side of it is, I do think that they tell a lot of people that this is the reason or that you could be deactivated for it's, it's part of the bullying. It's part of the intimidation thing, but the bottom line is you never see it in writing. And there's a reason you never see it in writing because if they put it in writing, then it's evidence because requiring somebody to accept a certain percentage of orders is clearly very clearly crossing the line of controlling the work of the contractor. And it is a great way to lose a misclassification suit. So they're going to tell some people that stuff verbally, but they're not going to put it in writing. 
And it's just, it's one of these things about these companies trying to bully people into accepting more offers and into acting like an employee. They want you to act like an employee. They don't want to pay for the right of having you as an employee. But they cannot legally require you to accept a percentage of orders or particular orders, any of that stuff. Okay, so what about multi-apping? Is working multiple apps at the same time a legitimate cause for deactivation? And I'm going to say no, absolutely not. But maybe. How's that for being definitive, huh? Look, I know that there's a prominent theory out there right now. A lot of people feel like this. A lot of these deactivations are them cracking down on multi-apping. And I can't prove it one way or the other. My theory is it's not so much about cracking down on multi-apping. It's cracking down on the results of multi-apping. Here's the deal. A company cannot prevent you from delivering for more than one company, even if it's more than one company at the same time, because you're not being paid an hourly wage here. But isn't that what they're cracking down on? Isn't that what they're trying to do is stop you from delivering for more than one company at the same time? And I think that that's one of the things, like I said, I think a lot of people feel like you can be deactivated for doing that because that's the perception that is out there. But technically, no, they cannot prevent you from doing that. It is your business. They cannot control whether or not you pick up a delivery from somebody else. But the thing that happens here and the reason that this is an issue is they can deactivate you based on the results. And here's the deal is if you pick up an order from Chipotle and you pick it up for pick up another one from Chipotle for a different app and they're going two different directions and you go deliver one and now that makes the other delivery really late. What you have done is you have failed to meet your end of the bargain on that second delivery. And that is the thing that I'm talking about when I say that it's they're cracking down on the results of multi-apping. You see where I'm going with that? It's it's not the issue that they're cracking down on the multi-apping itself, but because of the way that a lot of people are doing their multi-apping, if they're making other deliveries late or if they're making their own deliveries late, That's the reason for the deactivation is the late deliveries, not the multi-apping itself. So having looked at all of that, you know, here I want to get into the seven steps. Seven steps that you can take to avoid being deactivated by Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, any of these delivery apps. I cannot guarantee these steps. I can't say that if you do all of these things, you absolutely will not be deactivated because These companies are scum and they will deactivate you even if you didn't do anything wrong sometimes. And sometimes it's just the luck of the draw, okay? Even the best couriers get deactivated through no fault of their own. But if you follow these steps, seven steps, I think you stand a much higher chance of avoiding it and you keep a much higher chance of keeping your relationship with your customers intact and that allows you to stay in business. And who are those customers? DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Postmates. You're trying to keep that relationship in place. So the first step, I just put it this way because it's an appropriate first step on any kind of how-to video or something. And that's gather your materials. 
I love working on bikes. And so I've learned a lot from YouTube instructional videos. And usually they kind of start out that here's how you do this, that, or the other thing. And it always starts with getting your materials together, right? So let's do that here. Okay. The tools are, are not tangible things, but they're very important, I think. And here are the two things you absolutely have got to equip yourself. And one is you got to develop a business attitude. My friends, we are running a business here. You're not an employee. And in a lot of cases, we want to use that when it's in our favor, but sometimes it's not in our favor. It doesn't feel like it, although I still think it is. And here's the deal. When you're running a business, nobody owes you anything. You got to understand this. Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats, none of them owe you a penny until you've delivered. And they don't owe you the privilege of continuing to deliver for them. It's just like running any kind of other business. You cannot force your customers to stay with you. And so there are no guarantees. Well, okay, you know what? I think there's one guarantee. There's one guarantee, and that guarantee is these gig companies are going to try and screw you over. They're going to take advantage of you. But my friends, that's true of any kind of business you want to run. Your customers are going to try and screw you. That's just part of running a business. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse the behavior of these companies. But if you understand this ahead of time and actually embrace it, I think, my friends, that's a difference maker. Because what that does is when you understand that, then you can take control. You can make decisions. You can figure out the things to work within that relationship. And you can decide when does it make sense to do the things that they want you to do? And when does it not make sense? You get to make those decisions. And is there a time that's best to assert your rights? When is it better to kind of play the customer's always right card? That's part of running a business. You got to make those decisions. One of my favorite quotes, I've used this a number of times, is from Gary Vaynerchuk when he said, everything is your fault. That's a good thing. It means you're in control. When you take accountability, when you take responsibility for running your business, when you realize that everything that happens is on your shoulders, you can't be victimized by what these companies do because it's up to you. Instead, you adapt, you make decisions, you take control. So you want to develop a business attitude. And the other thing that you want to do here, the other material, the other item that you need to have, and that is a customer-centered mindset. You got to think about this, folks. Who's your customer? It's the one that you contracted with, the one who sends you your payments. And that means DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Postmates. You cannot force your customers to buy from you. If you open up a store, if you open a restaurant, if you open a consulting business, you cannot make them do business with you. You've got to build a relationship. You've got to keep their business by being awesome at what you do. So you can't force your customers to buy from you. In fact, you can't even force them to be fair. Nor can you control what they're going to do, but you can control what you will do. If your relationship with the customer is profitable, then you can conduct business in a manner that encourages them to continue doing business with you. And if it's not a profitable business relationship, why would you continue to do business with them? You know, you get to make that decision though. Is the customer a jerk? Well, welcome to the business world. Do you still want them as a customer? If you do, then you've got to learn how to work around the customer being a jerk. And then you need to look through the eyes of the customer and you got to start thinking things like, what does the customer need? 
Why are they contracting with you? What do they need? And what are you doing that helps them out? What is it that you're providing that helps them in that relationship? And there's two things. There are two things that the customer needs from you. They need that food delivered quickly and in good condition. And they need it done in a way that protects their relationship with the restaurants and the diners. And that is what they are contracting with with you to do. Now, you can't control what the customer does. You can't control how Grubhub or DoorDash or any of these companies behave. But you can look through their eyes, try and understand what it is they're looking for, and then you make decisions as far as how can you meet that need and still maintain your independence. And when you start doing that, when you start looking through the customer's eyes and you start making the decisions that you're going to do things that make sense from a business standpoint, my friends, that gives you incredible power. Step two is do what you agreed to do. I'm sorry, but there's too many folks out there that think that independent contractor means I can just do whatever the hell I want to do. My friends, that is not being an independent contractor. Independent contractor means you're running a business and running a business means there's consequences for bad customer service. There's consequences for not doing what you agreed to do. What did you agree to do? It's the same things we just talked about. You you agreed that you would get the food from the restaurant to the customer in a timely manner, in as timely a manner as you can reasonably be expected to do. And you agreed to get them get that food to them in the best reasonable condition that may, that you would be able to do so under the circumstances. They're the very things that the customer needs. And if you take your integrity seriously, if you're serious about the fact that you're going to do what you agreed to do, you eliminate most of the issues that we just talked about that get people deactivated. Now, one thing I'm going to point out, you did not agree to accept every offer. Now, if you think accepting every offer helps your relationship with your customer, well, that's your choice to make. You get to make that decision, but it's not part of your agreement. Okay. But remember this, your agreement is on a delivery by delivery basis. That agreement goes into effect the moment that you accept an offer and it stops when you complete that offer. You're done with the agreement until the next time you accept an offer. So it's during those moments that you should be awesome at what you agreed to do. And if you're awesome at what you agreed to do, you avoid a lot of the problems. Step three, just don't do stupid stuff, okay? Most of the legitimate causes for deactivation that don't fall under that step two are definitely going to fall into step three. Some causes fall under both. You know, don't eat the food. That's pretty obvious, right? Don't get into arguments at the restaurants. I know it's frustrating when they seem to be slow or incompetent, but don't throw your business away because you don't have any patience with the restaurant. I don't care how insulting that tip is or that lack of a tip is or whatever, getting into a fight with a customer over how much they tipped is as dumb as dumb can be. It's a great way to not have to bother about that tip anymore because you won't be able to deliver anymore. If the pay wasn't enough, Don't get mad at the customer. Point the finger at yourself. Remember what I talked about. You're taking control, right? Well, if that pay wasn't enough, you accepted it. So why did you take the offer in the first place? You know, I mean, I can go on on and on and on and on about this kind of don't be stupid stuff because really most of this stuff is common sense. You know, 
Use common sense out there, my friends. Step four is be aware of the traps. Because there's times, you know, we all know that. There are times that people did everything that they should have done and something still sneaks up on them. You know, that customer that said they didn't get the food, the restaurant missed some of the order and you get blamed for stealing it. And sometimes the apps believe you. You know why they believe you? Because they don't want to put the time into it to investigate. They avoid putting time into the management here. And so it's just easier to accept it and say they're done with you. Well, what you want to do is you want to be aware of those kind of situations that can sneak up on you like that. You know, you want to pay attention to when things seem just a little bit off. You want to pay attention to what's going on out there and just be aware of things like that. And when you're aware of things and you can take care of step number five then or whatever, but you know, most restaurants now they're sealing the order. So you can't check off all the items, but you know what, when you see a dozen items, and I'm not talking about a dozen packages of hot sauce at Taco Bell, but you see a dozen items that you're supposed to pick up and they come out with a small bag of food. You kind of know that something doesn't look right here. You know, pay attention to things like that. You took a low tip order and you got a, a real bossy set of explanations or something like that. You know, that's the kind of thing that can maybe be a red flag that says, you know what, there's a possibility someone's kind of playing a game here. And so kind of be aware of those types of things. Here's, here's one that you might not have thought of. I think this is one that's bitten some people in the butt there that they had no idea was coming up here. You arrive at the restaurant and somebody at the restaurant says, oh, somebody else already picked up that order. And I know time's money. And I've done this before where it's like, okay, I got to move on. I know that calling into support or something like that is going to take a long time. So you cancel out of the order and you move on. Okay. Well, the problem is then the next order comes along. They get the same report. They call it in. Well, now support looks at all the records. Oh, you were the last one there. You must've been the one to steal that order, you know? So you got to be careful for those types of things. You got to look out for things like that. And when there are things that you think there's maybe a possibility something could happen, slow down, take the time, do what you need to do to cover your behind. All right. Step five is document, document, document. If you've got a record of what you've done, if you've got evidence that you didn't do any, anything wrong, you've got a stronger chance of overcoming a deactivation. You can say, I've got dash cam recordings that show exactly what happened. I've got this recording of the customer actually getting the food. When you've got that kind of thing, it's a lot harder for them to deactivate you, you know? And this is why, you know, you start with number four, you kind of be aware of those traps. And especially when you see things like that, that's when you document, you make sure that you've got, make sure that your behind is covered. I'll give you an example. I've had times where I go to drop off a delivery and something just seems off about the place and I can't find the customer or I had one one time where the customer didn't leave any information about the apartment number or how to get in or anything like that. I called the customer and it was a bad phone number. Actually, it was a phone number that went out of state somewhere to some business. And so I couldn't get through to the customer at all. And there was nothing, you know, it's like, where do you take the food? It's an apartment address, but there's no apartment number given. And the phone number I've got is bad. Well, you know what I did there was, you know, um, first thing that I did was I actually started sending a text. Now I know the number's bad 
And so when the number's bad, I know that they're not going to get that text. That text wasn't for their benefit. Their text was for my benefit. And their text was for the benefit of DoorDash, who was who I was doing that delivery for at the time, because it was a written record. I'd send a text, hey, I tried calling your number. The number's bad. I don't have an address. And I just, you know, put a couple of different things. And every time I tried to do something to contact the customer, I'd send a text because it was a written record of what happened. And, you know, at the same time, I ended up contacting support and everything like that. But it was like, I'm going to make sure that I've got myself covered in case somebody's trying to do some kind of stupid little deal where they're trying to get free food. You know, anytime you've got any issue that you've got any question at all, make sure you've got that documentation going on. And here's one of the biggest things I think you can do, especially if you do very much of this at all. If you ever get very much income at all, um, I went for the longest time without doing this. And I even got to the point where, you know what, I've got to cover my, my behind myself. And that is find ways to record your activity. Um, you used to go with just, you know, doing the stuff like I talked about and um, taking pictures and and anymore, it just kind of feels like you got to ramp it up a little bit. If you got any question in your mind that seems like it's off at all, find a way to record what you're doing. If nothing else, turn on the video on your phone so you can kind of track everything that's happening or so that you can kind of tell the phone, hey, this is the situation. I'm walking in here. This is like this. Then you can show where you're at, different things like that. I really recommend, I, I'm just getting more and more of this way that you've got to get a dash cam, you know? And, you know, in the last two episodes, I talked with uh, Bryant with Legal Rideshare, and I talked with Leah with Cover.ai, who are both involved with helping drivers get their um, ability back to deliver when they've been deactivated. And both of them said, man, one of the most important things you've got to do is have a dash cam. Okay. Now I got a, it's a V2 Pro made by Rexing. And I got this one because of a couple things. One, it's got two cameras, one points forward, the other into the passenger compartment. But I chose this one because the cameras I can turn. And so when I go to make a delivery and, you know, I go to get out, I point one of the cameras towards where the customer's house is so that I've got a video record of actually making that delivery. And at the same time, I also got a little GPS attachment on that. So my recording is going to show you not only dropping off the delivery, but it's also going to show exactly where I was at when I dropped off that delivery. So I really recommend, and I'll put a link to that particular one. It's an affiliate link. So if you buy from that, I may receive a commission or something like that. But it is, you know, to me, I chose it because of that capability. And um, some drivers are going to get like a body cam. And the body cam, it works better in some ways because it gives you more of a close-up recording of the transaction. And the thing with the body cam is you got to kind of, you take a risk of making people uncomfortable because you got that camera going right there, you know? That's a decision that you've got to make. But some drivers will use, they call it the timestamp app. It'll take a picture and then it shows the GPS information, the address when you drop off. Now, the problem I've got with that one or relying on that one, sometimes I think it can get you in trouble, actually, because GPS, especially when you're between buildings, doesn't always get things exact, you know, so it might not have the address right. And I'm just not comfortable with that for that reason. 
Now, one thing that I do in conjunction with the dash cam, instead of messing with a body cam or anything like that, is I have a screen recording app on my phone. Uh, mine, the one that I've got is called X Recorder. And uh, it's a free app that is on Android. I can set it so that it'll keep recording even when the phone goes dark or whatever. I don't know if that one is on Apple, but there are a lot of these screen recorder apps. And what it does is it just records everything that's happening on your phone. We'll get one that will record the audio as well. It takes up, I'll tell you what, it, it'll fill your phone up fast. So you got to stay on top of you know the memory management and pulling those records off on a regular basis and either stick it onto a hard drive or, or just pull them off after a couple of weeks because you just aren't going to need them probably by then. I don't know. But what happens is then I've got with that, it shows I've got the record. I've got the offer details. I've got the customer instructions. I've, it shows, you know, what's happening on the GPS as I'm getting there. And it's also recording anything that I'm saying while I'm going there. And of course my dash cam is doing the same thing. But as I go and drop the food off, it records the sound so you can hear the customer coming out and getting the food or or whatever. So I've got two different things that are documenting what's happening while I'm delivering. So if anybody ever accuses me of taking the food or of not delivering the food, I've got documentation. And then the other thing I do is I talk to my dash cam. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but anytime I think anything is off, I'm talking. I'm saying, okay, here's the order and... And the restaurant was really late and, you know, this and this and this. And because what you've got then is you've got a record of actually what is happening. You're able to tell your story as opposed to you get something a couple days later said, hey, this customer made this claim. And now you got to go back and try and remember. So document, document, document. One other thing I'm going to say about documentation here, and and this is another thing that I kind of give DoorDash some credit for. Now, DoorDash has been maybe one of the most aggressive about really cracking down on late deliveries, and they call it contract violations. But at the same time, you know, you arrive at the restaurant and they're way behind or they haven't received the order yet. And if you end up deciding that you're going to wait or even if you end up deciding that you got to move on, there's a little feature that pops up that says, hey, what's what's the issue? Why is it taking long? And you can actually tap on the different types of issues, or you can actually at the bottom, there's something for other, and you can actually describe what the issue is. It's another form of documentation. And man, especially with uh, as much as they're kind of cracking down on late deliveries, you want to stay on top of that. If, if it looks like the food's going to be delayed in any way, shape, or form, get on that right away and let them know. And sometimes if you're in doubt at all, contact support. And my suggestion again is because you got a written record, do it with the chat because you can keep a record. You can get screenshots of it, all of that. Document, document document. Step number six, sometimes you might just want to reevaluate the relationship with the customer because where's the point where you just have to ask, is this worth it anymore? If you don't trust the customer and they're just constantly trying to screw you, there's a point where you just say enough. These apps, they're not supposed to control the way you do your work, but we all know that they try. They all try and cross the line as much as they can and do they deactivate people for things they're not supposed to? Absolutely. 
I do not ever hide the frustration that I've had with with Postmates, and I even mentioned it earlier in this this episode, their practice of stacking orders on drivers without your approval, without you having to accept it. They're not supposed to do that. But the problem is, is that when they do that, you can't just cancel one. You got to cancel all of them, and they're one of the ones that crack down the most on canceling too many orders. So now you're in danger of deactivation. There's a problem there. Well, where's the point that you put up with it? And where's the point where it's just not worth it anymore? That's the reason I don't do Postmates anymore. Uh, In fact, I I sat out of Postmates too long and now I can't get back in. So (laughs) I probably waited out too long. I don't know. I don't know if they've changed that or not, but you know, does does Grubhub drop people for rejecting too many orders like uh, the Gridwise article said? They just might. They're not supposed to, but you know what? If they call it fraud, how do you prove that that's what it was? You know, and that's that's why I really hate the way they do that. But where's the point where you decide, okay, I'm going to accept more offers because I'm afraid of that happening? Or at that point, is it no longer profitable enough? Is that at that point, Is it just too frustrating? And you decide, you know what? I'm done playing your games. I am firing you as my customer. You can do that. And sometimes I think it makes sense to do that. You know, where's the point where you say, okay, it makes more sense to go to DoorDash or Uber Eats. And maybe I'm just going to put Grubhub on pause for a little while. You know, always, always, always keep evaluating those relationships. Always evaluate the delivery gig business overall. Does it make sense? If you do things the way they want to do things in order to keep being able to do things, or is there a point where it's just like, no, I can't make enough money anymore and it's time to close up the business. There's a time for that. And there's nothing wrong with that if it gets to that point. There's times I'm pretty sure I know I've pushed the limits with some of the things because of the way these companies come, especially when it comes to acceptance rates. But I'm not going to change it if it doesn't make business sense to change it. There's a point where I'm better doing something completely different than playing their games. And that takes me back to that whole thing about that business mindset. Last step, step seven, have a backup plan. No matter what you do, there's always a possibility of a deactivation. A lot of times it's for something that you didn't do. Sometimes you can't control it. I can't guarantee that if you do all these other steps that you're going to completely avoid it because these companies, they manage by algorithm. They manage by computer. A customer lies so that they can get free food and they say they didn't get their food. And you know what? It's easier and faster for them just to believe that and deactivate you than it is to actually put time into investigating it. And so you didn't do anything wrong, but you still got that email. You still got that deactivation. What do you do now? That's why you want to have a backup plan. Don't wait until it happens. Have your plan in place. Be ready for it. Set yourself up so that you can handle this. And my first step would be to say, keep your options open. You know, we were just talking about these companies as your customers. Well, do not rely on just one customer. That is dangerous in any kind of business. If you lose that one customer, where does that leave you? So I really, really, really recommend get signed up with multiple delivery apps. Even if you want to focus on just the one, take a delivery every once in a while for one of the others 
And that keeps your account active and it kind of helps you stay on touch with what's happening because then if you need that, you've got something that you can do as a backup. Now I'm going to play another clip and this was from uh, last week's episode, episode 95. Uh, I talked with uh, Leah Chasser of Cover.ai or Cover.ai and Cover provides income protection for independent contractors. We can get into that in just a moment, but I asked her about her experience and what she recommends for drivers who are deactivated. Her best advice Make sure that you have the other options available that you can fall back on. If that legal letter is unsuccessful, do you have any suggestions for anybody? What is there anything they can do next that you guys know of? At the moment, I, I don't have a suggestion for that, but okay. if if I was in that place, I would definitely have more than one app. I would not depend Absolutely. on just one gig app um, in case something like this does happen. And for whatever reason, you know, they're not, it's not able to be, you're not able to be reactivated. You still have, you know, multiple ways of, of maintaining an income. Um, I just think that would be, be wise. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. Cause here's the thing. I mean, guys is as, as independent contractors, we're running a business. And this is something that I say a lot of times is that because we are contracted as a business, it's the people that you contract with that are actually your customers. And that means Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, any of these companies are actually our customers. And any business that is relying on just one customer is, is setting themselves up for trouble because you could lose that customer. And it's kind of what happens here. Really, really appreciated having Leah on. And and that brings me to kind of the second part of this keeping, um, having a backup plan. And that would be, I really recommend you want to look into cover. Uh, and that's who Leah works with. And she was telling us about their program. Have the in, income protection that comes with them, cover.ai. And um, if you go to entrecourier.com slash cover, K-O-V-E-R, it's K, not a C, um, that will take you to their site. And we've got a, uh, they, they have an offer where they're offering one month free for listeners of this podcast. And I really recommend you check them out. And cover is, they describe themselves as a benefits program for independent contractors. And the thing is, is if you're deactivated, there's two things that their mem that their membership will give you. One is they've got a partnership with Legal Rideshare, and I referenced that right at the beginning of that last clip where I talked about if that legal letter was in unsuccessful, what do you do? Well, what happens is Legal Rideshare will actually provide you a consultation at no additional cost to you, and then they take the information that you have, they find out what kind of documentation you've got, all those things, and then they put together a legal letter on your behalf to send to these gig companies to say, hey. This guy didn't do it. He's got proof, all this stuff. And what they do is they get to the right people so they can get some eyes on it. Now, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee with that, but they have been so happy with the results that they've been seeing so far. They, they've had a lot more results than what they thought that they would get of people getting their accounts back. So that's one thing they'll do is they'll fight for you there, okay? The other thing that they will do is they've got an income protection program. And what they do is they provide income replacement for you based on your program level. And it's up to 80% of you know, what you've received from these gig apps if you're deactivated. 
Uh, they've got three different program levels. It's like from $7 to $49 a month. But if you sign up through my affiliate link, and, and if you end up doing a paid version of that or something like that, if you stay on for more than a month, then I do make a commission off of that. I just want to give you full disclosure there. If you sign up, you'll get the first month of that membership for free. Now, I've signed up for Cover myself, and I really do recommend you check them out. Get on now because it gives you a protection if the unthinkable happens. The other part of having that backup is you want to have an exit plan, my friends. As I write and I record this right now, you know, um, the polls are going to be open for a few more hours in California and, and across the nation. You know, we're waiting on the results of uh, Prop 22 vote in California, but we're also waiting on the results of the presidential election. And both of those could have a lot of repercussions on our ability as independent contractors because of the stances that different people take on things related to employment versus independent contractor. I don't know. I've been doing this for two and a half years myself. I'm not sure how long I'll keep doing it. Maybe another year or two, whatever. And and I'm probably very long-term compared to a lot of people in doing this delivery gig. But if it all went away tomorrow, I've got a backup plan. And so I want to ask you, I, I want to really encourage you to ask these questions. What would you do next? Where would you go next if you're done with delivery? What would you do if something happens to your ability to deliver, where do you go? If you don't know yet, start thinking about that. Start mapping that out. And part of that would be maybe to ask yourself this other question. Where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to do next in life? Think through those things. You got a hell of a lot of time driving around between deliveries and pickups and all that stuff. Use that time to start putting yourself in a position, you know, and Put together your exit plan then. Start thinking about where you're going next. I go in a lot more detail. Uh, back on episode seven of the podcast, uh, entrecourier.com slash seven, we go into a lot more detail about having an exit plan for your delivery business. One last thing that I want to mention as we're wrapping up here about deactivation, and that is don't stress, Okay. <laughs> how do you not stress after all this talk about deactivation and all this talk about how things could happen and you can't do anything about it? But here's the reason this, I really believe is the reason that there are a lot of people that get deactivated when it's not their fault. And that's because people talk about it. And when people talk about it, people get scared. And when people get scared, then these companies can control you. They can bully you. They can intimidate you into thinking that you've got to act like an employee. You are not an employee, okay? And I think they want you to be freaked out. And the more freaked out you are, the more likely you're going to just be like a good little employee. And they are not the boss. You are the boss. And that's why I'm really emphasizing take control here. Because when you make the decisions, then you get to decide what's going to happen. And you get to be prepared if something happens that you don't like, you know? But if in your eyes... Doing a bit more business with your customer makes sense for your business. Then adapt and do some things that just keep you from maybe being as worried about deactivation. But you know what? If in your eyes it makes more sense to do things the way you feel it makes sense, to only accept the offers that make sense to you, then don't let the threats, don't let the fear keep you from running your business. Don't stress about it, my friends. 
take control. And here's the deal. Take your steps, okay? And the first two especially. Do what you promised to do. And don't be stupid. And those two are going to handle most of those possibilities. And the rest of them are really about being proactive. And if you do those things, you really eliminate a lot of the issues. But the thing is, it's just like that quote from Gary Vaynerchuk that said, you know, everything's your fault, but that's a good thing because you're in control. Be in control. Be the boss. <laughs>